This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. So Christ is going to prepare his disciples for what's going to follow. The enemies are going to prepare their own for what's going to follow. And this now is the preparation before the big showdown of the cross. The cross is the subject that he's bringing into view here. This is not the first time that Christ has spoken to his disciples about the cross. As a matter of fact, there was a pivotal conversation that Christ had with his disciples. And after that conversation, Christ shocked his disciples by introducing to them the subject of the cross. Up until that conversation, Christ's disciples had no idea that their master, Jesus Christ, was gonna be publicly tortured to death on a cross. But this one important conversation opened the door for the start of the disclosure that Christ was gonna be crucified. And what was that important conversation? What was that? Well, it was a conversation uh, uh, about who Jesus Christ really is. It was a conversation about who Jesus Christ is and that he really is Messiah and God, both Messiah and God. And it all started with a beautiful, a walk along a beautiful stretch of seacoast, of the Mediterranean seacoast at Caesarea Philippi. And it all started with a benign entrance of the conversation, a question. And it was a question like, by the way, who do other people say that I am? And it transitioned from there into a very pointed probe, who do you say that I am? Matthew 16, 13 was the conversation. Matthew 16, 13. When Jesus came into the coast of Caesarea Philippi, he asked his disciples saying, whom do men say that I am, the son, that I the son of man am? They said, oh, some say that thou art John the Baptist, some Elijah, others Jeremiah, or one of the prophets. He saith unto him, whom say ye that I am? Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Jesus answered and said unto him, blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, flesh and blood hath not revealed it unto thee, but my Father, which is in heaven. I say also unto thee that uh, thou art Peter, and upon this rock I will build my church, and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And I'll give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth shall be loosed in heaven. Then charged to his disciples that they should tell no man that he was Jesus the Christ. From that time forth, 
began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go up to Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and raised again the third day. It was that question in Matthew 16, 15, Matthew 16, 15, that question, whom say men that I am? That's the question. Who is Jesus Christ? Peter, speaking for all the disciples, said in Matthew 16, 16, Simon Peter answered and said, thou art the Christ, the son of the living God. Peter said that the disciples believed that Jesus was both Messiah and God the Son. And only after they took that position, and only after that position was verbalized that Christ is both God and the Messiah, then, Matthew 16, 21, Matthew 16, 29, from that time forth began Jesus to show unto his disciples how that he must go unto Jerusalem and suffer many things of the elders and chief priests and scribes and be killed and be raised the third day. After it was established that the disciples believed that Jesus Christ was both God and the Messiah, then they're ready to know the truth of who it is that's going to be killed on the cross. And after they knew that Jesus was God and the Messiah, then they were ready to be marveled by the words of the hymn, amazing love. How can it be that thou, my God, shouldst die for me? That's when Christ first began to speak to his disciples about the crucifixion. They didn't take it very well. Peter couldn't handle it at all because in the following verses, it says that in Matthew 16, 22, Matthew 16, 22, Peter took him and began to rebuke him saying, oh, be it far from thee, Lord. This shall not be unto thee. That didn't go well. Then it says, further it says, but he turned and said unto Peter, get thee behind me, Satan. Thou art an offense unto me. Thou savorest not the things that be of God, but things that be of men. And then said Jesus unto his disciples, if any man come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross and follow me. Whosoever shall save his life shall lose it. Whosoever loses life for my sake shall, shall find it. And then he said, what shall it profit a man if he gain the whole world and lose his own soul? Peter told the Lord, in Matthew 16, 22, Matthew 16, 22, he says, be it far from thee, Lord, this shall not be unto thee. Peter was, was listening, give him credit for that. No wonder, because Christ had really just pumped Peter up for his clear statement that Christ was right on Peter, God and Messiah. So Peter's listening very carefully, maybe I'll get pumped up higher. And then he hears this deflating news about the cross, and Peter steps up and he says, Lord, put that thought far away from you. Get away from that. And what Christ heard in Peter's statement was put the intention of saving sinners by dying for their sins, put that far away from you. And Christ saw Satan behind Peter's statement and he responded with no, Satan, you get far from me. Not that thought, get far from me, but you get far, get thee behind me, Satan. And Christ knew that Peter was not just thinking of Christ when he heard Christ say he's gonna be crucified, but Peter's thinking, whew, man, if my leader is gonna suffer and die on a shameful cross, what does that mean for me? Which actually did come 
the spotlight did point on him when he was said, aren't you one of them? Aren't you with him? Aren't you with him? No, no, I don't know the man. I don't know the man. I tell you, I don't know the man. It was shameful. That's why Christ then addressed what Peter was thinking and told his followers, look, if you're not willing to deny yourself and take up your own personal cross, you might as well go home. That was the start of Christ speaking about his own crucifixion. And from that point, Christ brought the subject of the crucifixion closer and closer and closer so that right now in verse two, chapter 26, verse two, verse two, they're standing right on the threshold of the crucifixion as they hear Christ say in verse two, you know that after two days is the Passover, feast of the Passover, and the Son of Man is betrayed to be crucified just two days before. So verse one is saying Jesus had finished these sayings, and verse two is saying after two days, the Son of Man is betrayed and crucified. So when verse one says that Jesus had finished these sayings, that was more than just saying that he finished his message. He's saying that he's finished. He's finished the work that he had done on earth in instructing them, and he's ready now to die. And that's where verse two comes in, and leave this earth. You know, so many people come to the end of their life and they say, I don't wanna die. I don't wanna die, I'm not ready to die. I got so much more to go. Or they say, this sickness, this cancer, this whatever, it's just worn me out. I'm just tired of the fight. I don't want the pain anymore. Call hospice, the sickness, death would be better. I'm ready to die. That's not the same as what Christ was saying here is he was ready to die. A person is really ready to die. I mean, really ready to die when there are three things that have happened in his life. Three things. First, that person has found in his life the work that God gave him to do to accomplish while he was here on earth. Second, that person has given his life for doing that work that God gave him to do while he was here on earth. And third, that person has actually finished the work that God has given him to do. You know, today, we see this in the workplace. There is a crisis today of purposelessness in life. Millennials, millennials, who's even heard of millennials? Millennials are people who've been born after 1984. Just none of you here have been born after 1984, none of you are like, the people have been, and they have a real problem in the workplace, a real problem, because they are seen or been accused of being entitled, unfocused, and lazy. <laughs> and managers in the workplace, managers in the workplace are asking them, what do you want? What do you want in the workplace? And they say, we want a place to work with purpose, we want to make an impact, and we want free food and bean bags. And so they get the free food and the bean bags. And they tell them the company has purpose and that they can make an impact but they're still not happy. They're still not happy. And when they get to the workplace, they are already so disillusioned from nothing in life delivering to them this happiness they're looking for, this fulfillment that they crave. And they wanna quit their jobs because it hasn't delivered to them and they've only worked there for eight months. And so, so that's one issue. And so what do people do today? 
they turn to Facebook, Facebook or Instagram or other social media. And you see this all the time of the addiction to this. They're here, but they're not here. <laughs> they're inside this. And they could be in a line waiting for something. They're not in the line. They could be with other people, could be at a dinner, could be at a meeting, but they're here momentarily, but they're here. Or if they lose this, it's a crisis. It's a crisis, so they have another device. <laughs> Put this over here. They have another device that, oh. Oh, it's a close one, man. And it's been shown that the more people are on Facebook, the more they become depressed. That was published in 2014, an article called How Facebook Usage is Linked to Depressive Symptoms. That was published in the Journal of Social and Clinical Psychology. Now, why is that true? Because people are looking at Facebook and other social media for happiness and fulfillment. That's why they'll send 10 messages to 10 people that say, hi, 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 like they're fishing for waiting for someone to respond back and say, hi, because they're hoping through social media through that they're gonna find happiness. And then they say, I'm still not happy in life. Hasn't delivered. Some people accidentally or on purpose look into another direction for happiness and fulfillment, and that is, you know, if life is so depressing and you're just not happy, well, fentanyl, alcohol, vodka. And the outcome is I'm still not happy in life. The number one cause of death in young people today is drug overdose. Number two is murder. Number three is suicide. Millennials today are finding no happiness and no deep satisfaction in their job. Millennials today are finding no happiness or life fulfillment in social media because there ain't no app for that. Millennials today are not finding real joy in life and gratification in a pill or a bottle because real happiness in life and deep fulfillment only comes from those three accomplishments in life and those are discovering the will of God in life which only comes from 100% giving a life to Jesus Christ, resisting the world, and becoming mind-saturated with the Bible. That's how the perfect will of God is found. Romans 12.1, Romans 12.1. I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you, number one, present your bodies a living sacrifice unto God, wholly acceptable unto God, which is your reasonable service. Number two, be not conformed unto this world, but be ye, number three, transformed by the renewing of your mind that you may prove what is that good and acceptable and perfect will of God. Will of God. Three jobs for a person to do to find the perfect will of God for his life. One, make the body a living sacrifice. Two, do not be conformed to this world. Three, renew the mind in the Bible. This is how the will of God is found for a person, and this is the first achievement that a person must accomplish to be on the road to happiness and life fulfillment. 
And then second, after a person finds out what God's will for his life, what does God want him to do with his, as a life work? Then he must do it with a goal of finishing it on earth. And this is what Jesus Christ said about himself in John 4.34, John 4.34. Jesus saith unto him, my meat is to do the will of him that sent me and to finish his work. And last, a person is to finish the work that God gave him to do in life, and this is what we see in verse one, chapter 26, verse one. Jesus had finished all these sayings, and this is what we see Christ did when he gave his last report, his final report, his account to God the Father on earth in John 17, four, John 17, four, and he said, I've glorified thee on the earth. I have finished the work which thou gavest me to do. And this is the impact of the last word that Christ spoke on earth in John 19.30, John 19.30, when Jesus had received the vinegar, he said, it's finished. And he bowed his head and gave up the ghost. Christ was so much into finishing the work that God gave him to do that that actually became a special title, not thought of very often, but it's truly a title for Christ in Hebrews 12.2. Hebrews 12.2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand of the throne of God. Christ's title is finisher. And when it comes to the will of God, a person can have only one of three possible titles in life. There's only three titles, and a person has one of them. The first title, first possible title a person can have in life about the will of God is don't care. This is where a person says about the will of God, I don't care about God's will for my life. I don't care to find out what God's will is my because I have no interest in doing God's will. I wanna do my will, so I don't care. Sometimes a person with a don't care about God title just checks out of life altogether and just goes through life. There's no zeal, there's no enthusiasm. So you ask them, how's your job? It's fine, it's fine. It's the same as yesterday, no change. How's your relationship with your parents or your spouse? It's fine, it's fine, it's okay. It's okay, same. How's your relationship with God? It's fine, it's fine, the same. No joy, no joy in life, no thrill, no excitement, because they don't care. They checked out about the will of God in their lives and they have checked out and they're just coasting down the road with the, it's fine, it's okay, same. That's the life title of don't care. And the second possible title that a person can have in life is quitter. This is where a person finds out what the will of God is for his life. He starts out to do the will of God, but then the way's too hard and the opposition's too tough and the, the sense of being deprived is too strong and they just give up, quit. That's the life title of quitter. And the third possibility for a person is to have the title of finisher, finisher. This is where a person finds out what the will of God is from surrendering himself to God, from resisting the world, from renewing his mind in the Bible, and then he makes the will of God his life work, and then he finishes the will of God. He's a finisher. And when a person has achieved all three goals of knowing the will of God for his life, doing the will of God in his life, and finishing the will of God in his life, then that person is ready to die. He's ready to die. That person will come to where Jesus Christ was in verses one and two, 
where Christ had finished and he was ready to die in two days. Just like Paul was ready to die in that treasured state of happiness and life fulfillment when he said in 2 Timothy 4, 5, 2 Timothy 4, 5, watch thou in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, make full proof of thy ministry, for I'm now ready to be offered. The time of my departure is at hand. I have fought a good faith. I have finished my course. I've kept the faith. Henceforth there is laid up for me a crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, shall give to me at that day, and not to me only, but to all them that love is appearing. Those are the words of a man who found real happiness in life and real life fulfillment to be able to say at the end of his life in 2 Timothy 4, 6, 2 Timothy 4, 6, I'm now ready to be offered and the time of my departure is at hand. I fought a good fight. I finished my course. Paul's saying, I'm ready to die because of three words, found, fought, finished. I found God's will, I fought to do God's will, and I finished God's will. And what a tremendous sense of satisfaction filled Paul and that filled Jesus Christ when he said those words in John 19.30, John 19.30, he said, it's finished. No one can finish doing God's will unless they found God's will for their lives, unless they fought to do God's will in their lives. And this is how they come to finish God's will at the end of their lives. And when a person has finished God's will in their lives, he's ready to die. And God brings them to heaven to be with him as we see in Revelation 11.7, Revelation 11.7, which is future, Revelation 11.7, when they have finished, when they shall have finished their testimony, the beast ascendeth out of the bottomless pit to make war against them and shall overcome them and kill them. When they shall have finished their testimony, the beast shall kill them. Their testimony is the work of God that's God going to give to them to proclaim on earth. The beast wants to kill them all the time. But as long as they will not have finished the work of proclaiming their testimony, the beast will not be able to kill them. As long as they will not have finished the work that God has given them to do, they will be indestructible. But as soon as they finish their testimony, the beast will be able to kill them. And as soon as they finish the work that God has given them to do, then God will say they're ready to die. And as soon as their work on earth will be done, then they will know that they're ready to die and God will release the beast, let him go to kill them. The beast will finally get to do what the beast has always wanted to do, kill them. And there's a tremendous joy in life for each person in finding the will of God for their life. And there's a tremendous satisfaction in life to following what God has for their life. And there's a tremendous fulfillment in life to finish the will of God. That's the joy, that's the satisfaction, that's the fulfillment that the millennials cannot find. And that's the joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment that Jesus knew on his life, in his life, when it says about him in Hebrews 12, 2, Hebrews 12, 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith, who for the joy that was set before him endured the cross, despising the shame, set down at the right hand. That's the same joy, satisfaction, and fulfillment is what God wants us to find 
as we find, follow, and finish God's will for our lives. And this gives the proper perspective to all of our physical ailments and all of our illnesses that threaten our lives, which are like the beast in Revelation 11.7. The beast says, 11.7, I want to kill you. But God says, not until the work that I gave my child to do is finished. Like the beast of Revelation 11.7, just like the beast, cancer says, I want to kill you. But God says, not until my child finishes the work I gave him to do. Tom Cantor's messages can be listened to and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org. For other free resources, email us at tomcantor at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051. Join our live services on YouTube by searching Friendship with God with Tom Cantor every Sunday at 5.30 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. What are you doing Sunday nights? Come join Friendship with God radio Bible teacher Tom Cantor of the Friendship with God Fellowship Church every Sunday night at 5.30 p.m. at The Vine at 9336 Abraham Way, Santee, California. Watch and listen live around the world to Tom Cantor Sunday evening on YouTube.com by searching for Friendship with God Fellowship or by going to our homepage at friendshipwithgod.org. That's friendshipwithgod.org. This program is brought to you by Israel Restoration Ministries.